Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. The DBN Network. Browns fans talking to Browns fans. Welcome to the DBN Long Table. I'm your host, Jim Tonic. Today's uh, October 27th, so it's uh, Steelers week, and the Browns are in Pittsburgh. Um, weather doesn't look too prohibitive, but... Uh, it doesn't look too pretty out there right now. And um, there's a few things that we could talk about, uh, but I would like to start off this week by talking about the loss in Tampa Bay. Uh, another gut-wrenching overtime loss, a 59-yard field goal pretty much with no time left. Um, I actually didn't get to watch the game live this week. I watched the highlights post-game. I watched some of the All-22, not a lot of it, but um, overall, you know, same old Browns. I mean, it's tough to to pinpoint one issue on this team because there's plenty of issues on this team still. Um, The talent is definitely there. It's getting drastically better, and it shows every week, but there's constant issues between game planning, between play calling, execution, penalties. I mean, there's there's just problems all over the field still, and things are have seemed to have gotten better, but at the same point, certain issues just still continue to rear their ugly head. Um, I'll start with uh, towards the end of the game last week where we're sitting with a, you know, uh, I, was, I was actually watching the game cast as everything kind of rolled out and the uh when tampa was about to punt we had a 70 percent chance of victory and of, at that point or 68 percent chance of victory um we you know we get a punt back peppers gets a nice little return and then fumbles the ball we make two nice plays defensively force them back and they kick a 59 yard field goal i mean it's just typical browns i don't know what to say other than a lot of this has got to fall on you jackson you know, I, 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 you know, I hate to say let's bury the coach, but at the same point, what do you do at this point? Um, this is going to be a big week for him, and we'll talk about that more as the show goes on. Um, there's a lot going on this week in the NFL. Uh, trade deadline is Tuesday, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the injuries on both sides of the ball uh, coming up this week. We'll recap a little bit more of the Tampa Bay game. Uh, we'll talk about the referee issues. Um Basically, we got a, a nice show for you. Uh, I'll have a guest on shortly. And uh, after we come back from this little break, we'll, uh, we'll hit up starting with the Tampa Bay game. So look forward to you on the other side. Hey, have you ever been outside and your legs were cold or people were giving you weird looks? Hi, I'm Darth Batman from the DBN Network, and I'm here to tell you about this new innovative product, Pants. Pants from the makers of Loincloth and Fig Leaf. What are pants, you ask? Pants are this new lower body clothing, much like the skirt, except for with our patented pant leg technology that wraps the clothing around each individual leg. How does it work, you ask? Pants are very simple to operate. Just stick each leg in the pants on opposite sides and pull up. 
just that easy. You may be wondering how much a wonderful product such as this would cost. $100? $200? No. With this radio-only offer, you can purchase pants for a simple price of $19.99. Just call 1-800-I-NEED-PANTS. And if you call now, we will throw in a second pair of pants for free. Just pay extra shipping and handling. Again, that number is 1-800-I-NEED-PANTS. Operators are standing by. Welcome back to the long table. Uh, I actually have a guest with me. Uh, fourth, welcome aboard. Glad to be here. All right, man. So I guess we can start by talking about the Tampa Bay game. Um, what were your initial thoughts as to some of the issues that you saw, some of the pluses, some of the minuses? Um, what do you think some of the blame lays? Any Anything that comes to your mind right off the top of your head? Um, that Haley has got to be the most unimaginative offensive coordinator that we have had since Hugh Jackson. Well, that's only one one guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I just wanted to point out that we have both of these guys yeah. uh, guiding I mean, our offense. I mean, we, we c- Could we come out and just march down the field for once and, and score? Have we, have we, when was the last time that we have done that? Our our first half offense has just been so dreadful. Um, I I mean, maybe that says good things about the second half adjustments, but I can't fathom how poorly our game plans must be going into games because we look so bad in the first half of pretty much every game this year. I mean, we we come out and it's it's a a five-step drop, long-developing routes, Baker throws an incomplete. Chubb runs for like four yards, if if we are lucky, but most likely two, because everybody everybody in the NFL knows that we if if we face if you are facing second and ten, it's gonna be most likely a, a, run. a run. Yep. So then it com- then then there's a third and long. Uh, I, I'm not sure which is worse if if Baker throws it away or 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 if it bounces off the receiver's head, but it's a three and out. Our defense comes on the field. I mean, it's a, it's like clockwork. Everything like clockwork. We suffer through the first half with with um, with the uh, defense giving us chances, uh, but. Since the NFL is kind of tying the defense's hand behind their backs, uh, we are going to be down one or two touchdowns. And then in the second half, we kind of rally back uh, as if if we somehow remember that uh, we, we, we can, I don't know, we can throw passes, we can catch passes, we can run. It's it's as if as if these things were were unimaginable, unfathomable things in the, in the first, first half. half. Yeah, I, I I'm with you 100. percent The last time that we came out and just uh, beasted on offense was uh, in the Ravens game when we went up 21 nothing, when McCown was the quarterback. No, Remember that, that game? That wasn't McCown. That was Kessler. Uh, 
No, that was McCown. Wasn't it Kessler? Nope. That was McCown. Yeah, okay. that's McCown. Two uh, long pass to uh, uh, Coleman, if you remember. There, there was the uh, long touchdown by Crowell. Yes. And um, I don't, I don't remember the third touchdown, but you know, twenty-one nothing, and then <laughs> that, that kind of all went away, but. Uh, those uh, nineteen because we get the extra point blocked or whatever. To, to, we get the or twenty because we get the extra point blocked. Yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. That's that's when it started to fall apart. Yep. Uh, I actually started. think I said I actually think I said when that happened that we were going to lose the game because of that. Yeah, that 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 was my feeling too. As soon as it happened, oh oh. <laughs> <laughs> so but, anyway, uh, this I I wasn't talking about the Tampa Bay game, but. More or less, this is what we've been doing, and and that was, and it's especially true for for our game against Tampa. Um, it felt that we have played better when Collins was the middle linebacker, as opposed to uh, Kirkhorn. Yeah, and if if I remember right, they they kind of switched it up. And we went more to Collins in the second half. I could be wrong, but I I, I seem to remember. I think 50, that's what I saw too. Yeah, fifty-one being uh, the middle linebacker more, and and both of them benefited from it. I felt. Ogba um, had a great game, and I was really pleased to see that. Yep. Uh, uh, that was actually something I was going to touch on is that the two of the guys that I've been probably the most critical of on the defense, um, Agba and Collins, both played well again. This is two games in a row for Collins. Uh, he's looked pretty good the last couple of weeks. Yeah, he seems to be finding his groove. Yep. Uh, although, um, yeah, I mean, we, we still have problems with the uh, with, with, with run blocking and uh, we, we have problems when there when the opponent has many receiving options so uh, it doesn't look quite uh, promising for this week but um uh even with all the negatives that we can think about on defense uh these those guys performed throughout the game yes yeah. Well, here's here's one of the things that I guess you know we, we've we've been saying all along that the defense has played really well all year, and we you know we feel better about um, you know the the, the the situation on defense than we do on offense. I was looking at some of the numbers, and you know you kind of won't believe it, but we are bottom five in total defense. Um, we're giving up 135 yards a game on the ground and 280 uh, 279 yards a game in the air. So I mean it's you know it's not. It hasn't been as good as we, you know, we think. When you factor in the fact that all of our games have been pretty close, uh, with the exception of the Chargers game, um, you know, the defense, you know, we got this whole bend but don't break thing, and sure, we're plus ten in turnover differential, but for some reason or another, we still give up a lot of yards. Uh, I think we're giving up close to twenty-five points a game. It's um. It's still problematic, you know. I'm not. I'm not. I, I like the direction the defense is in. Where I think tied for fourth or fifth in sacks with uh, 22. Um, so I mean, there, there's a lot of pluses. Um, we definitely have a legitimate number one cornerback in uh, 
and Ward. Um, we're getting a really good pass rush, obviously, from Miles. Larry was quiet for a couple games and then had a huge sack in overtime last week. Um, Collins has been much better. Uh, Ogba's been much better. So, I mean, I, I think that, you know, the players are there. And but there's just certain, you know, there's some things that are still not. And that, and that could be, you know, maybe it's scheme. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's the whole, you know, bend but don't break thing. I, I you know, I haven't really dove into the stats and, and looked at like, well, let's let's, you know, let's wipe that charger film from 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 existence because, you know, that that's that's an aberration. Hopefully, you know, that doesn't happen again. Um so maybe some of the numbers in there kind of skew some things around, but I mean, I still feel like we've been run on very effectively by, you know, by lesser teams that don't run the ball so well. And, um, you know, I, I, I still feel like there's a, there's room to improve on defense considerably. Um, you know, obviously second corner is going to be a big deal. Um, but what do you think, uh, you know, overall, do those numbers surprise you when you think about what you've seen? You know, if you just if you take away, you know, just totally ignore it and and, and based off what you were watching, do, do those jump out at you and say, well, uh, that can't possibly be right? Uh, not 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 really. Um, uh, we we got some. I think one of the biggest problems that we have, and I might be wrong on this, but uh, I think that we have two three techs playing in a defense that needs the uh I think it's called I think it's called the nose in this system, the one tech. Uh, yeah well, nose tackle. Meter and uh basically uh, what meter and shelton more for us. Yes. More along and, the lines. Yep. Coley is not that type of player. He's he he should be uh Larry's backup, I think. And we we need that kind of anchor that can uh, occupy both the center and the left guard in the middle and snuff out front plays. I mean, both of them were good at that. You know, it's it's a thankless job, and 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 see, it was so thankless that uh, Dorsey shipped them out. Well, I mean, you know, I guess. I, you know, I was pretty critical of, of Shelton because I kind of feel like if you use that pick that high, the guy's got to be able to get some kind of pass rush. And I never, we never saw that from him. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not against having, you know, a guy like that on the roster. I, I, I'm totally for it. But Meter was almost as good as Shelton at a tenth, you know, whatever, a third of the price. And he was an undrafted free agent that we picked up off somebody's waivers. Was, you know, there's guys out there that can be had. Yeah, 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 like, yeah sure, sure. It's, but I mean, we, still, we still don't have a guy like that on right, the well, roster. Here, I know we're going to talk about the trade deadline later on in the show, but I mean, a guy like that just went for a fifth round pick. And a guy who's better at it than, than Danny Shelton is, you know, uh, Snacks Harrison just went to the Lions for a fifth. You know, that guy is probably one of the elite run defenders in the NFL. Um, and they got him for a fifth round pick. We got, what did we get for Shelton? A third? Right. I don't think so. Yeah. I think, was it a fifth? I don't know. I don't even know off the top of my head. But, I mean, th- those guys aren't, you know, they aren't well thought of, you know, or they're not, you know, they're not, I won't say no, well, not well thought of, but they're not 
somebody who demands a massive resource to fill that spot. So I get, I get that, but I do agree that we should have somebody on the team that can fill that role. And I'm right right now between Coley and, and Larry, I just don't think we do because that that's Larry's never going to fill that role. You know, he's a good run defender, but he's not the kind of guy he's in there more to, to, to penetrate and, 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 cause pressure on a defense. We need a guy, like you said, to take up two blockers, to do the thankless, dirty work. And I don't know if Coley is that guy right now. I, I, I don't think he is. I mean, yeah. I think he's a good player. It's just he is playing out of position, Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I and I, could, I can kind of definitely relate and agree to that. So, I mean, overall, like I said, I know we really wanted to talk about Tampa here, but I mean, there's, these are some of the issues that I guess we're, we're seeing repeated. Um, What was your thoughts on uh, Randall covering Evans for the most of the, I would say at least most of the second half from basically what I saw um, Uh, on the highlights. Did you think that was a good move by Williams or, or was that something that, you know, with the situation, think, a situation at corner, do you think that that's kind of what we had to do? or I felt that he didn't really have a choice Yeah. with, with that move. And this, again, brings, uh, brings the, uh, the capabilities of Randall and, and the usefulness of him to our team, to the forefront. I mean, he's, he is what put the... Uh, uh, defensive backfield in order in front of him as as the free safety, but if needed, he can still play corner. I mean, he guarded uh, Josh Gordon when he was still on the um, and held him to be true uh, on 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 Kaiser's last pass. But anyway, um, I mean, what I talked to some other guys on the forum about it, but and and. Technically, yes, you could have done other things, but really, this was the only choice if you wanted good results. I mean, yeah. you, you you can't put BBC on him. him you you can't really put two guys on him. Uh, this was the the solution that that uh, mitigated uh, the, the damage that their offense was capable of the most. See, and I agree because <clears throat> I'll say this, as good as Ward is and as good as he's been, the one guy, one of the kind of guys that I think he would have a hard time with is a guy like Evans, who's just physically so much bigger than him. Um, and that's the kind of guy that gave him trouble at Ohio State. So if you put Ward, you know, say All right, I'm going to take Ward and I'm going to just going to, you know, blanket Mike Evans with, with Denzel Ward and I'm going to put BBC on Deshaun Jackson – I mean, I think you're kind of in a similar position. I mean, BBC, I think, could have done a decent job on Jackson, but I think Ward would have been less capable of covering unless he's getting constant help from Randall, you know? So, I mean, I guess, I don't know what the best situation is there, but I mean, I think what we did was probably the least damaging of all. You know, we basically eliminated Jackson for most of the game and, you know, and we basically held Evans in check. I mean, it wasn't, you know, we weren't, defense played pretty well, especially in the second half. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't have a problem with that decision. I will tell you one of the decisions that I did have a problem with is not getting points at the end of the first half. What was your thoughts on that? Uh, um, I'm not as mad about it as 
some uh, some other guys. I, I I think it was the uh, worst decision or the or the worst of the two decisions that he he could have made. But I don't have a huge problem with that. He should have made the smarter decision and go for points at that point. But um, you know this this whole gut feeling thing. Um, I, I I wish he would do away with his stupid gut feelings. Yeah, I, just, I mean, I, just... I think that's I think that's a a consensus around you know the team. I think the team is starting to get tired of it too. But uh, yeah, I, I I am tired of Hugh Jackson's gut decisions. Go with the numbers for the most part. I feel like he needs to. Yeah, do what's smart. I mean, it's it's uh, you 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 can and have to take risk, but risks, but uh. There should be calculated risks. Absolutely. Yep. That's exactly yeah. what I was thinking. And um, yeah, I mean, I I don't know what's uh, the uh, what's the dynamic uh, between Haley and and uh, and Hugh, but um, uh, I just I just hope that it's it's it it didn't go down the way that he started influencing the def- defense more in the second half so now he feels he sh- uh, wh- or or maybe maybe that's what he should do because because Haley has been so predictable but then again Hugh has been also predictable but maybe if we mix the two together they can be somewhat more prolific i don't know it the the uh the way uh, both Baker and Haley spoke about the issue since then seemed to indicate that uh, he didn't take as big of a role in in the def- in the offense as we imagined. So I don't know how. Um, so I, how did? Yeah, yeah. Go on. I guess one of my. Uh, I don't. I mean. I look back and I look at some of the Todd Haley teams that I've seen play in the past. Some of the guys, some of the teams in Kansas City and and the last few years in Pittsburgh, I won't say Todd Haley teams, Todd Haley offenses. And they weren't really – I mean, I will say they're somewhat predictable in the sense that they run very similar sets. But he did a lot of strange things out of it. You know, a lot of motion, a lot of play action, you know, a a lot of up-tempo stuff, trick plays galore. You know, I mean, these are all things that – you know, a Todd Haley team or Todd Haley offense has done in the past, and we haven't seen any of that. I'm wondering if that's because maybe he's being told that he doesn't that that's not the kind of system we want to run. We want to run more of a conventional, you know, five step drop, you know, hold the ball, let the play develop kind of offense. And, and I mean, if you go back and look at the numbers, we talked about it a little bit off air. Um, Mayfield has been so much better of a quarterback when he gets rid of the ball fast. Holding the ball has been, and I think it it probably is more, not necessarily a detriment to him, but or you know, uh, it's it's more on our a the offensive line's inability to protect for more than three seconds, and b our wide receivers' inability to get open because we just don't have those guys out there right now. You know, between the injuries and the trades and and whatever, but um, I, I don't. I think that that may be coming from on high because that sounds like more, holding the ball and throwing it downfield is more of a Hugh Jackson thing than it is a Todd Haley thing, don't you think? Yeah, I guess. Um, what bothers me is that we don't seem to be helping 
Baker in other ways. I mean, yeah. no play action, no. It's it it just seems really. Uh, I don't know. Somehow, like a like an old man offense almost. Yeah, very traditional nineteen eighties. You know, pre K gun kind of offense. I, I I don't even mean uh scheme wise necessarily, but just. I'm sure the playbook is filled with all those things we just talked about, but uh, I, I mean more decision-wise. I mean, all, we always seem to go for for the the unimaginative, the boring, the the safest or whatever decision. Not, not necessarily the safest, but um, traditional style decision, I guess. I don't know. I, I know what you're saying. I think if you watch the games. What you're trying to get across is basically what we all kind of see, you know. It's just it's it, it is a bland offense what we've been running, and it doesn't have to be. I mean, we have all right. I will say that we we are lacking at wide receiver right now. Um, Landry's been getting doubled quite a bit, and I think that that definitely puts a you know a huge limiting factor on what we can do because we don't really have a proven pass catcher out there. Where you know. You know, Najoku, I think we're afraid to throw the ball to him. I mean, I, he had touched on this week, but, you know, his his hands have been an issue. Um, but I guess, you know, where's Seth DeVal been? Where, you know, does he even get a – did he get one snap this week? Never mind DeVal. Where the hell is Duke? Yeah, where's Duke? Where's Duke? You know, I, uh, I, somebody said that's, it. That's, uh, that's probably more, more uh, or the most baffling – the decisions yeah. that they have been making. I mean, yeah. especially against Tampa, where they lose their uh, middle linebacker, then they lose the backup, yeah. and we just don't abuse them in the middle. Yeah, or pound the ball up the middle with 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 Duke. I mean, with the uh, Chubb more. Both of know? them. Yeah, I mean, here here's the issue with Duke, and you know, I, I actually said something in the forums about it this week, and it it, it it's just crystal clear to me, and and if every week. We asked, you know, the, the 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 media asked Hugh Jackson, "Why is Duke Johnson not getting the ball?" And and his response is, "Well, we're trying to get him more touches." You know what? Hand him the ball. Call a screen pass for him. This, these are there are ways. To, I understand he's not, you know, it, it's sometimes it's hard to get the ball in a wide receiver's hands unless you're calling, you know, reverses or or wide receiver screens on every other play. But you can get Duke Johnson 15 touches very easily. It's not hard. You know, give him. Call three or four screen passes. Call a, a couple uh, delayed handoffs or or draw plays. Call, give him three or four or five carries. It's you can get him fifteen touches without really messing up your offense or depending on something to break right for him to get open or or forcing the ball to him. It, you can do that by calling plays for him. I don't understand why we're not doing that. Yeah, he's he's a huge mismatch problem. Yeah, and he is. Probably, if not the best, one of one of the three best offense players that we have, and we just completely go away from him. Yeah, and it's maddening. And how how do you try to use him, but you know, see nothing on the field? Yeah, I, I like, mean, he, uh, anybody he lines up with, he's going to have a, a, a situational advantage over almost all the time. Yeah, and I mean, uh, w- one of the things that we did a couple of times is uh, when D- 
Duke was on the field, he was put from the backfield out to a receiving position. And that's uh, that's something that we should do more, and we should go to him more. Yes. Yeah. Like two running backs, and I don't know. I mean, a million things that you could do. Put both both of them out there, and then flex Duke out to a slot receiver. Let yeah. him be the first read. Dun dun dun. Yeah, I, I, listen, I, I'm I'm 100% with you on that because I've been saying that since preseason. You know, that, that's probably the best way to use him is to motion him out of the backfield and hit him hit him short, let him make a play. I mean, we, we know he's really good at that, you know, and it doesn't have to happen 20 times a game, but make it happen four or five. Like, there's no reason he doesn't touch the ball 10 times every single week. None whatsoever. And uh, other than just boneheaded play calling. You know, it, he sh- he should be the number one option at least ten plays a game between handoffs or or you know quick passes or whatever it is. You know, you don't. We, I think that that would be so beneficial to our offense uh, that I just don't, I don't understand why we're not doing it. I mean, I guess one of the things that I want to talk about before we we wrap up this segment is uh, is heading into Pittsburgh. What are your What are your initial thoughts? Um, quick thoughts just before we, we start we'll, we'll get a little bit more in depth after the break but what are your initial thoughts on uh, where this team stands overall overall well it, it doesn't stand where it should be standing because we have been we haven't been playing up to our capabilities I think we are what two four one or something like that two four one and um and it's not just the referees it's it's i think we we have we have a two four one coaching but a four two one team more like so that's where i think we stand we are we are we are held back by the income uh, what, what's what's the goddamn word? Incompetent. Yes, the incompetence of our coaches, and especially our head coach, yeah. who I can't wait to be gone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think I think that there's quite a few of us that have been U Jackson supporters, and we're kind of in the same boat. So listen, uh, we'll take a quick break here, and we'll come back, and we'll talk about Pittsburgh. We'll talk about the refs real quick, and we'll uh, we'll discuss potential trades and uh we'll be right back we come back here every year it never seems to get better year after year coaching change after coaching change we languish through the loser cycle it's very frustrating but we'll keep coming back each year because this is our team whether by birth geography or association we're here coming back investing hope that this time will be better and it will. The whole way, it will still be our team. If the rest of the world thinks we're fools, well, they can all go root for Buffalo. This is our team. This is DBN. And welcome back. Uh, so, I guess, you know, now we're on to Pittsburgh. And um, I know we talked a little bit stats about our, our numbers defensively, but there's a couple things interesting to talk about Pittsburgh defensively. Um 
First being they have been pretty good against the run, uh, only giving up like 98 yards a game, uh, top third of the league, but they are in the bottom of the league passing, uh, giving up like 280, almost 284 yards a game, which is like not much more than we do, but still it looks like they're a team that can be thrown on. Uh, they do bring a lot of pressure. I think they're like two or three sacks behind us, like 18 or 19. I think we have 22 sacks this year. So they, they are a pressure, you know, they are a pressure defense. Um, Overall, I think uh, they're going to be a team that we're going to have to play a premium offensive game on in order to win uh, because they will score points on us, uh, but we're going to have to score points on them. And I think this is one of those games where you do need to be creative offensively. Um, Fourth, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts uh, going into the game that some of the things that we'll have to do to be successful? Well, we're going to have to stop their uh, pass catchers. And their running back, who uh, James Conner, the the guy from uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yep. So um, he's one Juju, a uh, A B. Um, they also have the tight end whose name I forgot. Uh, they have a couple tight ends, but um, both. Uh... Both are good pass catchers and both are good with the ball uh, after they catch it. Uh, James and uh, what the hell is the other guy's name? I don't know. Off the top of my head, I don't really care because he plays for the Steelers. But uh, yes. I, I, I meant James. But um, anyway, we got uh, kind of the same problem, perhaps to a lesser extent, that we, we had with Tampa, is that they have a lot of options to go to with the ball. And uh, they run the ball, I would say, uh, probably much better than Tampa did. Sure. So if I was Pittsburgh, I would be running at us all day long. And and uh, challenge the, uh, um, the not ward and Randall part of our defensive backs. Yeah. And I think that that's probably something that they're going to play into. Um, I I think that uh, they will try and run the ball. Um, One of the things that we really haven't really addressed yet is injuries. Um, We have a few guys obviously out. Uh, Schobert's not going to play. Again, uh, hamstring issue still. Uh, EJ Gaines is not going to play. Um, and Higgins is not going to play. Right now we have three guys questionable. Uh, Damaris Randall, who has played hurt pretty much all year, so I expect him to be out there. Uh, Damari Scott and uh, J.C. Treader. Um, so we, we may actually see a start out of our uh, second-round pick, Austin Corbett. Um, but I guess I, the, the one injury that I, we didn't – I didn't bring up is the only one on the Steelers side of the ball. Uh, and that is Marcus Gilbert is not going to play on uh, Sunday. They're starting right tackle. So that is a, uh, I think a distinct advantage for us as it will should help our pass rush. Um, I still think they'll be able to run the ball, but I think that they're going to have to throw the ball very quick in order to be effective against us. I'm hoping that uh, with uh, a backup right tackle and, and obviously miles, I'll I'll say this miles had his way with uh, Alejandro Villanueva in week one um, to the tune of two sacks. I think 
two forced fumbles, uh, what should have been a third sack, but he got called for a roughing the passer. Um, you know, I, or, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I think that, uh, the pass rush is going to have to have a big game this week. And I think that they can have a big game this week uh, for us to, to, to win this one. Um, what are your thoughts on, uh, on Gilbert not playing? And, and do you think that impacts the game as much as I think it does? Uh, we, we have had this before with uh, important linemen going down for our opposition and it seemingly did not affect our pass rush before so I'm kind of I'm hopeful but I'm skeptical that we will see a huge uh, uptick in uh, in in QB hits and, and pass rush and, and the guys at least influencing uh, the offense that way but uh, I really hope that we can have that uh, multiple sack game that we have been waiting for from uh, Agba. Well, technically yeah. we had that, but um, so uh, an even more dominant performance that would be nice. Plus, there's Avery uh, who generally uh, rushes the passer from the left side too, and uh, and I kind of hope that he can be. Uh, he can be uh, used uh, for more snaps there than he usually is. So uh, uh, a fresher left side uh, of our pass rush is what I would be trying to do. Uh, which kind of brings me to the insane amount of snaps that Myers and Larry have been taking. Yeah, that's something I wanted to did did want to address, but you're yeah, it definitely is uh it's starting to become an issue, I think. And we 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 need to we need to put uh kind of a maybe not not an upper limit, but we need to try to uh keep those guys fresh because it's insane how much uh they are playing. And I know they are capable of playing uh, this number of plays, but uh, we are not, not getting full 100%, especially uh, with uh, Mais, who has about 100 uh, non cord hordes on him, where he yeah. was dragging uh, a 300-pound left tackle <laughs> on, on, on his way to the quarterback. Yeah, uh, I will say this. Um, I, you know what? I, I kind of want to agree with you where the snap count can be an issue. But, I mean, those two guys, specifically those two guys, made monster plays in overtime yeah. when they had played tons of snaps already. So, I mean, I'm I'm hoping it's not a limiting factor, but I could see it becoming an issue specifically later in the year when they're, when they're playing so many snaps. Uh, you know, com- combined – a lot of snaps with all of the overtimes. Um, you know, it's it's just, it's so much football for these guys. Uh, Sometimes I, it feels like Miles gets pissed. And, yeah. And he, and he just imposes his will. Yeah, I mean. On, on, on some plays. I mean, the, the last Pittsburgh game that we played, the first game of this season, at the end, he just, he seemed to be making... Uh, plays left and right, yeah, uh, 
uh, man, I, I would really. Be, I mean, if both him and Ogba could have career days, that would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm all for it. I, listen, I just want to see them both play really well. I mean, I, I, you know, that defensive line should be able to put tons of pressure on any, pretty much any line that they run up against. Um, and I'm, I'm just hoping that the, the, the league starts to call the holds that are there. I mean, they're, it's crystal clear. And, uh, you know, like we said before, it, it's got to be five or six times a game, if not more, that we see Miles get held, that the flag isn't thrown. And it's I, – I mean, he's, he's spoken up about it, but it's got to be to the point where everybody in the league knows they can get away with it. Because they're not calling it, and it's really it's it's got to be disheartening for him to the point where he just says at some point I'm just gonna I don't give a shit I'm just going to make a play, and uh, you know maybe that's what we saw at the end of the game against Pittsburgh and what we saw at the end of the game last week. Um, while we're talking about the refs, uh, real quick, the NFL has fired official Hugo Cruz. In the middle of the season, the first time in over 50 years, the league has fired an official in the middle of the season. Now, I don't know if this is an optics thing, if it's, you know, maybe he's involved in something else. I don't want to know. I don't really know. I don't want to say. But it's kind of odd that the league would fire an official in the middle of the season unless they're trying to say, well, we know the officiating hasn't been good. I mean, he clearly, uh, this is, for those who don't know, uh, this is the official that, uh, the, uh, the linesman that missed the false start on uh, Russell Okung in the Browns-Chargers game uh, that led to, uh, that play was actually a touchdown for the Chargers. Uh, Okung was clearly, uh, clearly false started, uh, had a full step and a half drop almost, um, you know, and, and we basically gave up on the play expecting that that it was going to be blown dead and it never was. We shouldn't have done that anyway, but it was, it was so obvious that uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm going to go ahead and correct you. He didn't miss it. He didn't call it. And yeah, it was. I keep saying it is what intentional what they have been doing with us is intentional. It's it's probably one of the two conspiracy theories that I believe in. One is that Oswald was not the only shooter and <laughs> the second is that the these, bre- the refs are at- these assholes uh, in uh, black and white are intentionally screwing us over. Yeah, game I mean, after game after game. I will say that um, there have been some very questionable calls uh, that the, the the flag pickup. Well, let's let's finish up with Cruz real quick. Um, he was actually scheduled to work this game this week for us. Uh, so I don't know what the situation is if they're picking up. An, I mean, I, they obviously have to pick up another lineman, uh, or, uh, line judge or whatever to to, to actually call this game. Um, but that being said. Uh, yeah, the officiating has been really bad league-wide, but I feel like we have been – I am with you 100%. How many times – the league has now apologized to us three times for, for misjudged calls, and they're and, and they holding their ground on the call in the Raiders game saying that that was a correct call, when we all know that that's complete bullshit. So, I mean, there's four, four calls that we have been clearly – miscalled or not called or, or handled improperly. Uh, the first was that uh, Roethlisberger roughing the passer uh, on Miles that basically caught, I won't say causes the game, but certainly factored that's in. That's a four-point swing. That's a four-point swing right there because again, if, if that's if that's not called as, as it should not have been called, then uh, they kick the field goal and don't get the touchdown that they 
they eventually got. And you might say, well, why not? Don't you stop them? Well, you go and and give uh, the opposition like four, four downs. You're right. Yeah, I, I listen. I agree. In the red zone, you, you know. So, um, a lot, lot of horseshit calls that, and it it happens so often that it that it's 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 not it's not just incompetence. And I and I know that referees suck every every uh, game, but this is. This is something else. I mean, the top 10 worst uh, uh, referee decisions, eight of them is against the Browns. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 pretty, it's pretty mind-boggling. And, and I guess with that, I, I'd like to give you a, you know, a minute or two or whatever you'd like to uh, you know, verbally abuse them in the language of your choice. <laughs> so if you, if you have something you'd like to say to, uh, to the NFL officials, we have Carl Cheffers this week. Uh, so if you'd like to, to give Mr. Cheffers a, a, you know, a, a little insight into what your thoughts are in, I don't know, uh, German or Hungarian or, or any of the languages that you speak, I, I, I open the floor to you right now, my friends. So have at it. I don't know why you enjoy this so much, but I, I have to say that I enjoy it. <laughs> I, I enjoy it a lot. I don't know what the hell you're saying. And I never There's really some... ask you off air, but I do enjoy hearing you say something because I know it's awful. Cursing is is an integral part of Hungarian language. There was an Australian um, polyglot who spoke like, I don't know, 30 languages or whatever. And when they asked him which language he curses in, he said Hungarian. Yes. Although he, to be fair, he had a Hungarian mother. So that's that's like, in other languages, that's, that's like having a sailor father. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I guess I I, I I I I don't want to say anything about uh, the crew that's gonna officiate us. But as for the crews that have been officiating against us, bossátok meg a mocskos kurva rendes mocskos faszopó geci anyátokat. Faszopó gecik. That wasn't as varied as I intended to, but it's kind of weird. You know, shifting between the two languages. Uh... It 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 somehow screws your brain up a little bit. Well, I mean, and uh, one of one of my favorite things to say is in German it's Arschgeiger. Arsch is ass, and Geiger is violinist, and that's that, that's just such a fantastic mental picture. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I guess so. Yeah, I, if that, if that, uh, you know, if that. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how how they came up with it, but it's it's brilliant. Yeah, it's I mean, brilliant. those those Germans, they can even engineer curse words. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess um, I, I I don't want to do a prediction this week, uh, but I, what I want to do talk about before uh, before we wrap up is uh, trade deadline is Tuesday 4 p.m. Uh, we we all saw we've actually been involved in a trade already this year, Carlos Hyde, uh, most likely uh, to free up room for Nick Chubb to actually get some carries, but I, I guess <laughs> but because there's no real other reason to make that move. Um, the uh, the other thing I guess I want to talk about is, and you know, in, in lieu of uh, you know what happened last year, do you think do you think we're involved in trades at the end of the, you know by, by Tuesday? Do you think that this team is pretty much set for the rest of the year, or or do you think we make a move and may, maybe pick up a wide receiver or a defensive tackle or or anybody at this point, maybe a corner? Is there do you, do you, do you think we? Make I, a- I I think Dorsey just can't help himself. Even it's I mean it's not like we don't need help. Yeah, but. 
um, unless we bring Mida back or someone like him. That's 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 the move I would like to see. Well, I think he's sitting on the sidelines. I think he could be had for a phone call and some yeah, absolutely, uh, and some pierogies. And um, and the other thing is um, that I wanted to mention. It's kind of off topic, but I had a dream last week. Uh, after no, this week after the the Tampa Bay game. Okay. I I had a dream that I was on on the uh, on the Browns and that I was a running back. You don't really fit the mold of a running back, you know. Yeah, well, I could be a fullback. I have the, I have the, the two two hundred forty pound frame. <laughs> <laughs> Although I I would say it's not as much muscle as it should be, but you know, it, I could, I could go through a couple of arm tackles at least. Anyway, I I had a dream and I was a running back and and I made a speech in the locker room. And after that speech, I went to one of our veterans and asked what I could do, even though I I wasn't starting. And they said that um, I should uh, um, make a make my presence known on special teams, and I did just that. So, if we have a running back who breaks out. And does something amazing on special teams. Y- y'all have to know that it was me. It was so. So Damari Scott, who is actually questionable this week, you have uh, you have you have infiltrated his his mind and you know, his mind. Yeah, you know, like Game of Thrones. Yeah, you have the can, you have the, the green sight. So you can <laughs> you could actually. You could, oh God, I don't even want to think about it. You're <laughs> We're gonna see Scott out there cursing at, in Hungarian at uh, opposing Pittsburgh Steelers this week, and and uh, as he as he runs runs back a touchdown and taunts them. I mean, I I know we we don't like him, but perfect his hate of of the Steelers. I mean, he could be a Brown. With, I mean, with, with the amount of faith that he has, I just love it. I love yeah. that part. I mean, I do too, but I, I like a little bit more controlled rage. I mean, it, there's a guy that actually lost them a playoff game because he can't control himself. Yeah, that's that's a bit too much. But um, I, I remember Shelton did a great thing. Uh, he was on in on a sack, or 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 maybe just a QB hit of of uh, Rutzelsberger. Yeah, and uh, he wanted to stand up <laughs> after the play, and, and Shelton pushed him the back down. Yeah, <laughs> that was that's probably his, that's probably his best moment as a Brown. But uh, that that was that was awesome. Yeah, honestly, uh, I wish I wish we kept one of them, either Meter or yeah, either. I mean, either. I, yeah, I was same boat. I think figuring that we got something for Shelton, I thought it would be a good idea to keep Meter. I was kind of surprised he didn't make the team. To tell you the truth, but say la vie. Not much you can do about it. Um, as you, you got anything else you want to talk about or? Uh... Um, yeah, but it's not. It's not football related. Yeah, you know? Listen, this, this, I know it's a football podcast. It doesn't mean we're you know we're locked into uh, football. What do you got? What's what's going on? Um. Okay, I really want to make a game, man. Uh, a computer game, and I, I've been I've been studying this stuff, and I really want to make. Have you ever played Hotline Miami? No. Uh, oh I, man, no. it's it's such a good game. That's, so, that's so, so, so give me the premise, just quick. You don't have to, you know. A hotline Miami. Yeah. 
premise. It's 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 a top down uh, game where you fight uh, bad guys. You know, you 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 can wear masks, and each mask has a different effect, and it has this this great, uh, I guess, synthwave uh, um, soundtrack. It's it's kind of an eighties outrun uh, aesthetic. Okay. And, uh, and it has a weird uh, sort of uh, freaky, unreliable narrator kind of thing with dreams and stuff. Uh, and it's it's really cool. It, the story is kind of hard to piece together even as you play the... I mean, there are two games, Hotline Miami 1 and 2. And it's not easy to piece the story together. But it's, it's, it's somehow... It's so great. It has such a good atmosphere. With with the uh, really those kind of old school graphics, and I, I, it feels to me that that's the kind of game that uh, one man, de- sorry, the a one man developing uh, team could put together. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah so that's that's on my mind. I, w- I, I wish you well with that. I, if we're going to talk video, <laughs> if we're going to talk video games, I know I talked to you about it a little bit offline. I um I actually have been playing a little bit more recently than ever. I uh, more recently than in a long time. I uh, I actually wrapped up the main storyline in the PlayStation Four exclusive Spider Man, uh, which was pretty excellent. Uh, it's a really good open world. It's a little short, but uh, a lot of fun. Uh, some good Spider Man stuff in there. Um, and uh, last night I kicked off uh, a couple missions in Red Dead Redemption 2, which so far has been pretty cool. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I can't recommend it yet, but I, uh, I think, you know, knowing what Rockstar does and has done in the past, and I know you hate them right now because you can't play this game, but it's uh, so far it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I'll, I can update you guys weekly uh, or I will post some stuff in the forums uh, on my thoughts on the game. But uh, so far, so good. Um, I, think, I think you should spoil a couple of things for not that noise because he really loves the game. Does he? I would spoil everything for that commie bastard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I don't want to make a prediction this week because it's Pittsburgh, and I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to sour anything because I don't really have a ton of confidence heading into this game. I will say um, a poor performance here could mean you Jackson's job, which I guess you know. Uh, you got to look at the positives, you know, you got to, when life hands you lemons, you got to make lemonade somewhere. So, I mean, I would, uh, you know, if we don't play well, I would hope that uh, you was uh, fired unsanctimoniously on the bus ride home from Pittsburgh. Uh, I don't know where that would leave the team, but, uh, you know, at some point, uh, you know, worry about that later. Um, addition that's, by that's, subtraction. That's, yeah, uh, that's that's what I wanted to say. So uh, I won't make a prediction. I don't. I don't know if you want to make a prediction for this week. Uh, yeah, we're gonna lose. Well, okay, all right. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the only other uh, the only other thing to do is uh, obviously since this is Pittsburgh week, uh, we have to close out with a line from our good friend Big Town Brown, one half of the Absolute Ten and Six, with his uh, co-host Dark Batman. And thank you out there, DBN Network. But fuck Pittsburgh. Fuck Pittsburgh. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the game, guys. Uh, Let's go Browns. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.
Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else you listen to podcasts, check it out. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. 